Good afternoon and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and it's been a long time, folks. We had uh, some interesting uh, weather out here in Colorado that knocked out our station for a little bit, uh, for a few days, and so the council was off and we, were going, we haven't been here on, in the studio for almost a month. So I'm very happy to be back with all of you. Um, we are broadcasting live here from KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. Uh, we have the best shows and the best people, Henry, Sylvia, Doctor, the love doctor, and everybody. They're, they're fantastic, and you got to tune in to KUHS Denver. We broadcast all over Colorado, all over the nation, and all over the world. We are touching lives on every continent. Uh, it's really an amazing place, amazing people. So please tune in to KUHSDenver.com. Um, got a couple of announcements before we start today's show and introduce my guest. Uh, I will be uh, presenting at the 5D Events Conference. It's going to be in Las Vegas from April 18th through the 21st. Uh, that is going to be Easter weekend in Las Vegas. And uh, I'll be one of the presenters there. On, uh, I'll be on a couple panels that I'll be uh, presenting. And it's all about higher consciousness and spirituality and business and, uh, and working to bring a better world into, uh, in, onto our planet and working with some, some of the top professionals and people out there that are, are working to bring this, this uh, a, a new understanding and level of love that embraces all of humanity. So please, if you are going to be in Vegas, uh, come out and uh, say hello. Uh, buy tickets at www.5devents.com. That's 5devents.com. And uh, we'll be talking more about that in a couple of weeks before we go to uh, actually do a show in Vegas. We're going to do a show in Vegas when we get out there. So, um, <clears throat> All right. Next few weeks, I'll also be uh, announcing the, uh, the publication of my first book. Um, it's going to be coming out. It's going to be called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age, and it's one of my favorite periods in, uh, in human history. It's all uh, focusing on, 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 on this period of time where all these different areas in the world were being, uh, there was a lot of violence, there was a lot of suffering, but these different periods, these different places were being influenced by this something that was in the air. This idea of treating others the way you want to be treated. The golden rule was coming up without having any contact. None of these areas were in communication, but they were discovering that. And so it's really a, uh, about walking with the masters. Uh, and there's six masters that I think you'll enjoy walking with and some meditations and workbook because uh, you're going to want to be able to understand this for yourselves. Uh, you've got to put it in, in language that you understand. And so... Uh, anyway, I will be announcing when that publication is out, when the book is out, and uh, I hope that uh, for the, many of you it will be something that will be very beneficial and fruitful for your, uh, for your own personal development. Now, today's show, um, we're going to be talking about redemption. Where, uh, there's kind of been a focus uh, in, in the last couple shows is this idea of forgiveness, an idea of redemption, and, and about, uh, you know, 
how can we achieve that? How do we overcome the things that have happened to us in our lives? It's not a simple thing of just uh, shutting down and, and thinking, you know, I, I can just walk away from it. It doesn't work that easily. Maya Angelou said that there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. What does she mean by that? It's these secrets, these secrets that we harbor inside of the traumas and the tragedies and the pains and the horrors and the sadness and the loss and the grief, all that we've experienced that we keep buried, that we keep holding on to, and, and it keeps uh, us from living an, uh, a full uh, life. And if we've experienced traumas and tragedies and heartbreak in our lives, uh, sometimes we've made mistakes. Or sometimes we've been a part of people who've hurt us very deeply. And when we've done something that we've regretted or feel remorse about, uh, so often we ask, you know, why, what, what was I thinking? What, what, you know, what, where was I? Or if you've experienced hurt, you're often left to wonder, why did this happen to me? Why did somebody do this to me? Why could somebody do this to my children? Or how could this possibly happen? And if you're a victim of a particular situation, violence in any form, whether it's emotional abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, war, desertion, abandonment, betrayal, torture, or anything that violates yours or another person's soul. It can be very difficult to recover the life you once had or the joy you once felt. You really want to be able to share the story that happened to you. You want to be able to share it to be heard, especially if you're the victim of it. You want your pain acknowledged by the community and by the offender. Because behind that outrage and the screaming and the accusation and the blame and the hurtful words is this core need to be acknowledged for their pain. And, incidentally, to also restore the relationship with the one who hurt them. We have this primal need for atonement. It was written in all the, the, the old sacred books about this need to, re, to atone, okay, at one meant. However, if the guilty offender, whether it's a man or a woman, has no concrete way to atone, if it's just punitive, then it's, it's doesn't, it really it kind of hinders the process from actually happening. Because if there's no concrete way for them to atone, that is to own the offense without being identified with it and given the opportunity to make amends, this process of atonement is short-circuited. We've got to remember that it takes two to restore a relationship. It takes two of us. And there's a process which we know works, and that's restorative, not punitive. And this involves forgiveness remorse, and the conscious actions to atone for whatever may have happened. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. It's not. For how can you know? How can you really know <clears throat> you really mean it if you don't follow through with a change in behavior or deeds to make right what went terribly wrong? You can't fake a real change of heart can't fake it. With a genuine emotional transformation, it's somehow only complete when it's expressed in action.
Now, Diane Hennessy Powell, uh, she's a neuroscientist and psychologist and founder of the psychiatric program at Survivors of Torture International in San Diego, who has worked with victims of genocide, torture, and sexual abuse. She says, atonement requires asking forgiveness and doing something meaningful to express one's contrition, end quote. And yet there's this, it's crazy, there's this huge discrepancy between our innate ability and potential to do good and our hurtful behavior. It's like there's two people inside of us, which there is. (laughs) Our brains have this amazing capacity to think analytically, spiritually, uh, metaphorically, symbolically, and at the same time, at the same time, allows for lies self-deception, and rationalizations for why we do what we do. We lie to ourselves, and we do it a lot, a lot. And we eventually come to believe in those lies because we don't want to have to face the truth and the consequences of our actions. And as a consequence of this inability to own our wrongs and atone, we perpetuate a cycle of violence. Because this excites in the victim or the, per, the people that have been hurt with the need to get revenge. An eye for an eye. And that revenge and that way of thinking has brought us to the world that we live today. And it doesn't, so this way of thinking, this, I need to seek revenge. Revenge may be justified, but it is never justice. It doesn't make things better, it makes things worse. Now, the truth is, we are accountable for our actions, both good and bad. And atonement can only happen when both parties want to, break, want to bring peace and harmony back to the relationship or situation which has caused so much harm. Now, I want to give you an example of how this, this idea of forgiveness and atonement can work. And I want to tell you a brief story about uh, Azim Nurdin Kamisa, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, so forgive me on that. Uh, Azim Nordin, Nordin Kamisa, who forgave the 14-year-old murderer of his only son, Tariq. Think about that. His son was a police, uh, pizza delivery boy, and he was out delivering, he was going to school, and uh, this... Uh, I think his name was, uh, um, I have to look here. Uh, but anyway, this, this boy ended up Tony. His name was Tony. He ended up shooting this boy for no reason because it was a gang-related thing. It was an initiation to a, a gang. And uh, he lost his only son. And it was so easy for him to fall into that pain of wanting to seek revenge. And he came from the, the Sufi tradition which is an offshoot of Islam. And in that faith, they um, really want you to go into the deeper meaning, that you have to bypass your mind and you have to bypass your heart because your mind will make all kinds of stories and your heart is not as reliable. You've got to get down into the soul. You've got to get down into the soul of things. And so when he was burying his son, Part of their, their tradition is to he had to reach in and jump down in there and hold on to him. And one last sign of, of being letting go. 
And it was in that moment he realized his son was not coming back. And he felt such guilt for not being there for him, for not being to protect him. And in their, in their uh, tradition, they have 40 days of mourning. And there's every, I think every 10th day, they have a, a certain prayer. And then every 20th, they have to, it's because they believe <clears throat> that the soul stays around the families for that period of time. But after 40 days, you've got to move forward. And you've got to, otherwise the soul stays and it is not allowed to move on into, uh, into the light. And so he had to find some way to be able to deal with this deep pain that he was feeling. And so what he ended up doing was he forgave Tony, the, 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 the boy, the young boy who killed him, because he saw that both of them were victims of this crime, that it was, it, it was two victims in this crime, his son and the boy who ended up shooting him. And so he forgave him. And he wanted to be able to try to make something good out of this situation. And he reached out to the boy's grandfather, Tony's grandfather, and said, you know, I can't get back my son. And your son is now, uh, it was his grandson, uh, your grandson is now in in adult prison. He was a 14-year-old who was being tried as an adult. He's now in an adult prison. And he's, uh, you know, we've got to try to do something. We've got an opportunity here to do something good. And, and so that this kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore with our children. And so they formed the uh, Tariq Kahimsa Foundation. And they set the stage for how to be able to work through forgiveness and how to be able to make sure that this cycle of violence doesn't continue and perpetuate. And what he learned was that there are steps out for anybody who wants to forgive. You have to take some steps. And if you're the victim of it, and this is from somebody who has walked the path of it. For the victim, step one is you need to acknowledge that you've been wronged, which leads to a painful grieving process. And it's not easy. And you've got to be, you've got to ground yourself in doing activities and and creating spiritual currency and doing good deeds to restore your own self, to atone in your own self for anything you feel like you may have done wrong. Step two is to give up all the resulting resentment. All right. You, it's a new, there's a lot of resentment, especially if you, it's towards a person that may have hurt you and, and have harmed you. And how do you give that up? And that's really about saying, Oh my God, this is the darkness within me. And it's going to turn me into something I don't want to be. And I've got to, I've got to deal with that. And I've got to take as long as it's going to take to put that stuff on the cross or wherever you've got to put it and until it's done. And number three, you must go beyond forgiveness and reach out to the offender in love and compassion in order to create the conditions for atonement to occur. Then the opportunity for, he- and these are, create the opportunity for healing actions. When they created this foundation, <clears throat> it was both Tariq's father, uh, Azim, and, uh, and then the, grandson, the grandfather of Tony, the murderer of, of uh, his son. But his story doesn't end there. They reached out to Tony and gave him the opportunity for him to redeem himself. 
And so part of that process was um, for the offender, in order for that to happen, was step one is that they must take full responsibility for their actions. And that's really hard to do. A lot of us don't take full responsibility for the wrongs we do in life. We just don't. We can see the wrongs in others. We can easily see when other people do us wrong. Boy, we've got that zeroed in. But it's really hard to, have, to swallow our pride and be able to say, no, I, I really messed up here. Number two, the second step is to ask for forgiveness of the people that you've hurt. Whether you get it or not, you still need to ask for it. And that's part of the process of this forgiveness, remorse, and atonement. Step three is for offenders, for offenders is to forgive themselves. Um, you know, I've, I've certainly have made mistakes in my life, and uh, I had to forgive myself for things that uh, I regretted doing. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't living at my best. And so it's a big deal to try it, and it's a hard process, and it takes a little time to get there. And a lot of it is about doing, engaging in that spiritual currency or, or doing good deeds and uh, atonement, authentic actions. That's step four is authentic actions done to make amends. Whatever I can do to make amends to write this as best I can. And ultimately, the more you do that, that leads to step five for the offender, which is redemption. You've been redeemed. So this is that equation, forgiveness plus action, making amends, excuse me, forgiveness plus action, which means making amends, equals atonement. And what they gave Tony an opportunity to do was to be able to come out when he left prison, to work with the foundation, to help other kids not be put into the same position that he was in. He reformed himself completely in jail. Uh, there are pictures. I, don't, I haven't seen them personally. When he was a young 14-year-old boy, caught up in the gangs, he got, went to school, he got his degrees, he came out, and now he's an inspiration to help other kids not to fall into that same path. And they've helped over uh, 8 million, as far as this book was uh, written, over 8 million children. That's incredible. So that's how forgiveness can lead to something good. That's how this, why this equation works. All right, all of us have to have to have done things in our lives that we're not, maybe we didn't live up to the best, that we're not happy about, things that you know we wish we could go back and change, but we don't get it. We don't get that option anymore. And so when we let ourselves down, when perhaps we could have done or made better choices, we're given an opportunity, uh, this path to redemption, that's available to us all, and it's in all spiritual traditions. It's all faiths if we choose it. We don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to decide what we do with it. Now, without further ado, I would like to introduce to all of you my very, very special guest today. Uh, her name is Stephanie G. Meadows, is a first-time author and entrepreneur. Stephanie is a wife and mother of three beautiful children. And alongside her husband, uh, they own K&S Cleaning Services, LLC. She has been called to help change the lives of many people. She volunteers as a youth leader at Glory to Glory Christian Center, led by Pastor Joel Sewell. Through her in inspiring testimony, she wants people to know through faith, hope, love, and pure determination that anyone can live the life they have always imagined. 
That's wonderful, Stephanie. Thank you. I <laughs> well, appreciate this. Welcome to the show. Ooh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I heard about your story, and I thought, you know, Henry was telling me about it, and I thought you'd be absolutely perfect coming on to talk about, you know, I mean, these are, these are real-life issues. These are real-life stories of people, ordinary people, going through the challenges of life. And, you know, and, you know, everybody talks about, you know, this is, you got to do this. You got, well, who are people who have actually walked it? And you've walked it. I have. I have walked it. And it's been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been a challenge, but it's been one that's been worth it. Because if God can transform my life from the inside out, then I know he can transform anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And. I'm watching him do that through me, and I'm watching him do that through my family, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Well, tell us, Stephanie, uh, just a little bit about your background, um, you know, and uh, where you come from, and and what inspired you to write this book. The book is, uh, let me come out and pick it up and yeah, push it. Definitely, it's broken but restored, living a life of trials to triumph. Broken but restored. Look at that. I mean, and it's it is just your Autobiography, correct? My autobiography, yes. Yeah. Ah, wow. It's so exciting. That's so amazing. <laughs> Look, it's incredible. <laughs> so, oh, to have somebody hold my book, I'm flabbergasted. Like, I'm speechless. I've imagined this for so long, and I prayed about it for so long, and now it's here, and it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. Because I've just been waiting to share it. Just been waiting to share it. Oh, great. <laughs> well, share it, please. You know, um, share us the story. What, you know, you heard in my opening monologue uh, a little bit about forgiveness and atonement and yeah. all that stuff. Um, is, do you think it's important to forgive, to forgive yourself and those oh, acts of atonement? And Most definitely. Yeah? Most definitely. Just to kind of share a little bit of what happened with me. Um, I've been abused physically, sexually, emotionally, psychologically, all of the above. Um, It shaped me in a place where I literally broke down. I've dealt with suicide. I've dealt with depression, um, hitting rock bottom completely. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn to forgive me and my choices. I had to face some of the consequences of my actions and realize I hurt a lot of people, and that's a place that a lot of people get uncomfortable dealing with because Mm -hmm. it deals with your heart issues. It deals with, okay, yes, I've kind of forgiven you, but I'm still going to kind of make you pay for what you did to hurt me back then, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you're going through a process of atonement, you realize you was also the one doing hurting, Mm -hmm. and you have to take it to this place of, okay, God, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be an angry person. I was extremely angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was angry at God. And I wanted my life to change. But I wasn't really doing the work myself. I'm helping everybody else, but I couldn't focus on Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And now that I focus on Stephanie, I'm able to actually help somebody else. Mm-hmm. even more because now I've helped myself. Now that I've helped myself, I can help people. Yeah, You know, you can't really help nobody and you haven't really gone through the fire. You haven't really said, okay, I've gone and I've dealt with depression, 
but what are you doing to still deal with it? Mm -hmm. A lot of people in church will not acknowledge the fact that they're depressed because they believe if you basically speak it, that's what it is, Mm -hmm. right? And I get that. I understand that wholeheartedly. I thought the same way. But I also had to realize I have to own it in order for me to confront it and move forward from it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. I have to look at all the people that have done me wrong and be like, yes, you've done me wrong, but God helped me to forgive. I didn't know how. I Mm -hmm. thought I was doing it. I Mm -hmm. thought I was healed from a lot of this stuff from my past. And then something would happen. I would get triggered, and then I'm going left. Mm -hmm. And everyone's looking at me like, well, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You're a woman of God. You shouldn't be acting like that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But I'm a person. Yeah. I have feelings like I have emotions just because I go to church and I really love God does not mean that I'm not going to hurt or feel the stuff that comes at me, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it takes a lot. It does take a lot. And, you know, it's uh, it's so many times when we're, we're going through our life challenges and, and meeting them, it's uh, we, we forget that, uh, you know, we're not perfect. You know, we're not doing, and, and trying to acknowledge the things that we've done wrong and what we've done wrong to others is part of the healing process. And you can't skip that process. You can't go past that process. You can't avoid it. You can't get to the higher altitudes without having worked through the things that you need to clear up. Right. And you'll keep repeating over and over again these, these, these patterns of yes. behavior if you're not getting to the truth about things. That's it. You've got to get to the truth. Now, your book um, is described on your website as transparent, honest, revealing, intriguing, and suspenseful. So if you could, please, just, I mean, that sounds great. (laughs) That's what I want to hear, you know. And it looks fantastic. So what is it, uh, just tell us what it's about. It's really a journey through my life. Mm -hmm. I go back to my earliest childhood memory and take you all the way through up until 2015. And I share about all of my struggles, all the things that I did from a young child to my adolescent years, to my teenage years, to coming into adulthood. And all of the things in between, you know, I don't try to just put it from my perspective. I try to tell you know, from others' perspectives, things that's gone on. I know mm-hmm. I'm not a perfect person, you know, and I never wanted to portray that in my book or portray like, yes, everybody's just so wrong and Stephanie didn't do anything. That definitely was the case. <laughs> Wasn't the case. I did a lot of wrong. I didn't realize how much it was until I really started seeking God a little bit more. Like, I wanted to know who he was, how he loved, why he loved me the way he did. I didn't believe I was lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to accept the love even from my husband, you know, because I was like, don't, can't nobody love me. I've been told all my life I've been hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. I talk too much. I play too much. I do this. I'm overreacting. I'm overthinking, you know, all these things. And I'm like, I began to think I was crazy, like mm-hmm. literally thinking I'm crazy. I'm like, everybody's making it seem like Stephanie is just all over the place. And there was times I really was, but I'm like, God, why is it just, why is everybody 
coming at me like I'm just the one that's doing wrong. Like, I get it. But why isn't anybody else acknowledging their stuff? Mm -hmm. And I just, I really just started asking him all these questions. Even when it came to church, I just began asking questions. And because of those questions, growing up has been the main reason why I wanted to write this book. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear about all these big name preachers. Yes, I've gone through this and yes, I've done this but you don't really see how they've done it. You don't really know how they got from that point to now you're on this platform. I really wanted to be that person. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be that person that I wish I had growing up. Mm -hmm. And so it took some time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, you know, and we will be until the day that we die. I'm a forever life student. I don't want to never not be taught anything. Like, mm -hmm. I always want to know something. And I always want to be filled with some type of knowledge just because, like, God said in his word, in all thy getting, get an understanding. I want to understand why we operate that way we operate. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. You know, why are we making some of the choices that we make, and how can we really stop these? Mm -hmm. Like, I read tons of self-help books, uh, tons of spiritual books, like, I was hungry, and I'm like, okay, I'm hearing certain things from people, and I'm just like, God, some stuff just doesn't make any sense. You know, and I, and I think it is. It's not, but I think what people are really wanting is to have a personal experience with the divine. Yeah. I think they want to have a personal experience with God, the creator, source, uh, Allah, whatever, but they want to have a personal experience that heaven knows me. Right. And heaven knows my name. And that it, it knows I'm here. And we just want, we want to feel the holy in us, the sacred in us. And, and very often, a lot of times, the, the religious institutions have failed us in those ways yeah. because they haven't, they've, they've exploited that need, that core need that people have. Yes. And so people like you and I, we go on our journeys to find that experience in ourselves and yet all those broken parts that we have to go through in order to go through it and then to reassemble it back together again is yep. part of that That's coming home. One of the main reasons why my book is called Broken But Restored. Yeah. You know, it was, I'm not all the way there. Like, I'm still broken in many areas, but it's by God's grace that mm -hmm. and his love that I'm still here. Like, I don't look like what I've been through. I spend a lot of time just talking to God in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, people made it seem like you have to do this and do that, and it has to be so ritualistic and so legalistic. Like, no, mm -hmm. it's none of that. Just like you and I talk, that's how you talk to God. And people mm -hmm. are like, is that simple? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's that, that simple. simple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it and is, it's yeah. like when you realize that, it's like you want everybody to share in that joy. Mm -hmm. You want everybody to understand, you know what? God is not worried about that. You're struggling with homosexuality, lesbianism, whatever it is, alcoholism, drugs. I don't care what it is. God is like, I'm here. I love you mm -hmm. no matter what. I didn't. I couldn't wrap my mind around that because everybody told me, you're just difficult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what is wrong with me? Why am I so difficult? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like that. I always see some of the grumpy older elderly people, and I'm just like, why did you live that hard of a life? You know, mm -hmm, like, yeah. I'm like, okay, God, like, bless them, but help me not to be that grumpy person. Mm -hmm. You know, I watched my parents just be grumpy 
and my dad he's been in church for forever but there was stuff within him that he wasn't acknowledging and it was like lord you know growing up in church and you're hearing all these things and you're like okay we've been beat over the head so much with this stuff and then you're not really wholeheartedly living it the way that you say you are mm-hmm. and i'm like i began questioning everything like i literally wanted to walk away from god like i just stopped mm-hmm. <laughs> i kept going to my church but i stopped following a lot of people i used to be around and used to associate with in church because i was like i want to get away from everything i want to get to a place where i'm hearing from god and i know it's god and there's nobody else because mm-hmm. I've had so much confusion with things that's gone on that I'm like, I need clear direction. I don't want to just be stuck in these patterns. Mm-hmm. Like, I want my life, my family's life, and those that are connected to me to elevate to the, the best life possible. Right. Why not? Right. There's so many other people people that are doing it. The only thing is, is we can't we can't let the money and the materials have us yes and it's so easy to get caught up into materialism and consumerism of our culture because it's it's uh, identified it's put right out in front of us all the time uh just a quick station announcement we are broadcasting live here at uh in broomfield colorado denver colorado here at kuhsdenver.com that's kuhsdenver.com uh broadcasting here in the all over colorado uh, the United States and all around the world. Thank you, folks, for tuning in to uh, this amazing show today with uh, Stephanie Meadows here on the council. Um, Stephanie, I want to get into a little bit about this, your, your life story, your life history. Um, I mean, what was it like growing up as a child? In it was a world? typical childhood, yeah. um, but where I grew up in Colorado, I grew up in Wheat Ridge. Yeah. So when I grew up out there, I was one of three kids uh, that was of African-American descent. So I experienced a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing that shaped me as well. Um, there was a time where I was playing in a park, and I speak with this in my book, and there was a Hispanic guy that had exposed his genitals to me. And... I ran. I didn't say anything to my mom because, like, even then, I just, my mom always freaked out about everything. Mm-hmm. And I was really trying to process what happened in my mind. As I grew up, like, I would, as I came into womanhood, I would see these Hispanic guys and they would try to talk to me or whatever. And I was just, like, so angry and hateful towards them. Well, I'm half Hispanic, too. So it was like mm-hmm. I was kind of hating part of me. And I'm like, oh my God, why? When I really, I went through a process of going from being this little girl into being a teenager into being a woman but yet the little girl was still there she never really grew up because she was always hurt she always got shut up she always got told to be quiet she was never able to voice her voice and say what was wrong and so this book was my voice. Mm-hmm. It's my voice for a lot of other women that are dealing with sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, mm-hmm. you know, all of the above. Men, 
I've talked to a couple of guys. They're like, I can relate to your story. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been abused in some type of way. It's not just for me to reach out to women. This can reach out to the multitude, men and women, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've all been broken in some type of way, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's been by our parents, whether it's been by a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. a job, you know, it Mm -hmm. could be whatever. And we can hold all that stuff in. We can hold all it in. And it takes, it almost consumes us and eats us alive, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know. And so I wanted to share my story, not only to just get my voice heard, Mm-hmm. But to help somebody who doesn't have any hope yeah. or maybe struggling and they can say, you know what, if she's gone, if she would do that. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I can too. Well, what are some of the trials you experienced? I mean, <clears throat> that you've been talking about because, uh, uh, you know, we have uh, people who have been abused, you know, and people who have experienced uh, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse. We've had... Uh, you know, people who are, are, are struggling with those things. Right. You know, and it's, it's not so much, all of us, like you said, have been broken in some way, or most of us have. It's what we do with it, and how do we get overcome that? How do we take those steps? But like, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was an addict for many years. You know, I had, uh, I had become, uh, I was in the military. I had uh, lost my way. I had been working on a project that was violated every my whole moral code I got what's called moral injury I had never used drugs before in my life I was just, I was the clean cut American boy all this and I didn't even want to I used to tease my friends I was like you know they'd be smoking a little bit of marijuana when we were teenagers I was like what are you guys doing you know I can't even and I and something I was waking up with these terrible uh, apocalyptic nightmares because I was working on the nuclear pro- nuclear warfare program, and frozen in my bed, breaking out into sweats and all these things. And so it was uh, extraordinarily uh, traumatic, and I lost all hope. I lost all um, faith in humanity. I thought we were, we're just going to blow each other up anyway. So why live a good life? Why live a moral life? I mean, that was my whole thinking at the time. And I turned away, I remember when I turned away from God, I was on a porch and I said, I don't know why you created this world the way you did, but I'm not going to participate in this anymore. I can't be a part of this kind of suffering and this kind of death. And so I turned away and lived a very wild lifestyle and uh, was a, a libertine uh, and um, <laughs> and a derelict and a debaucherous lifestyle and I became an addict you know and so you fought those things too yeah. um, you mentioned that uh, that you'd been doing ecstasy for some time yes um, in the summer of 2002 I was taking up to eight pills of ecstasy a day eight pills of ecstasy a day like, I literally would wake up, we'd, you know, smoke, eat, but then I would pop a pill. As soon as I felt myself coming down, pop another one. As soon as I felt myself coming down, pop another one. And it was just all day. I had no job. Um, the boyfriend I had at the time was a drug dealer, which the reason why we got the ecstasy pills is because they robbed somebody of them. Mm-hmm. So they ended up splitting them to sell some and some of them for us to take. So that's how I got onto ecstasy. And I can't lie, I loved it. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> I loved it, it. You know, like yeah. everything about it, this letting go, feeling free. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was that moment of, whew, I don't have to worry. 
I don't have to stress. I don't have to care. I don't have to feel. I just want to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what the joy of the Lord brings. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants us to understand and wants us to know, like, we don't have to use these things in order to enjoy life, mm-hmm. right? But even if you are, God still doesn't hold that against you. He's still right there loving you. Mm-hmm. Like, when I rededicated my life back to God, I was at a place of walking away from my family and this was before my husband and I got married and I was going to leave my family for my weed man and his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and I wasn't worried about the chick as too much but me and the guy we vibed and we talked and it was like and then his birthday was the day after mine and it was like oh so we have a lot to common and then we're smoking so it was like you just really connect like that and so my husband at the time, he ended up having to go through 30 days in jail. And mm-hmm. God used him while he was in there to minister to me. And I was like, man. So a lot of people was like, I would tell people, I would be at home, go after church, whatever. And I would light up and read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And it, everything was like, ooh, man, this is, this is so good. This is clear. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting it. Wow. But it just dwindled because... I had to leave my weed man alone. Um, Now I use it for medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of religious people will look at me like, well, you know, God, yes, I believe God is going to heal my body of rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to put the chemicals and you're not going to make me feel any type of way. I prayed and fasted and did all the religious things that people should tell you to do Mm -hmm. in order for you to hear God. Just because you're not sure that I'm hearing from God doesn't mean that I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that a lot of religious people will do, too, is make you feel like you're not listening or you're not hearing or you're rebellious. And it's like, do you really understand what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Like, or do you understand what you're teaching? You know, if you're telling us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, not unto man, right? This is what his words say. So if I'm doing all this, as I'm starting to seek him, guess what? Draw unto me, he draws near, right? Mm -hmm. So as we draw unto him, he's coming closer. So the more we're coming closer, guess what? The more we gain his clarity, the more we gain his understanding, the more he opens our eyes, our spirits. We become more like him. Well, one of my favorite things is judge not lest ye be judged. You know, and that was the thing. So even in then, like last year, I had a big thing when I quit smoking cigarettes and I had to literally go to everybody and say I'm sorry for judging you like my brother-in-law I would go left on him because Mm -hmm. he would have my house smelling like weed and some other things and I'm like oh my god my kids this that and the third because in my mind that's what we've been taught in school that Mm -hmm. weed is a gateway drug I asked so many people I said let me ask you this question I said what did you start first did you start smoking first or did you start drinking first and most people have started out with alcohol oh, yeah. so how is marijuana the gateway drug it's not it's so, a, that's a fabrication that's a, <laughs> that's a total fabrication uh used as propaganda to let people know it's a plant <laughs> okay it's a plant the people grows and it helps people uh it only affects the, the pharmaceuticals uh, <laughs> pocketbooks and they've got a huge crisis as it is with the opioid crisis <laughs> And you know what? They got what's coming to them, and they're going to pay back because they've killed a lot of people with this opioid crisis. Yeah. And it's on their, it's on them. 
and so they knew about it. They knew what they were doing, mm -hmm. and uh, so all they did, all they did was take stuff out of plants and recreate it in order to synthesize it. They don't do it to yeah, cure. Yeah, the opioids. Yeah. They don't do anything to cure. These no, diseases. it doesn't cure. It doesn't cure. There's no All cure. There's no healing in that. None. None. Zero. None. So it's like, okay, you want us to believe God is healing us. You want us to go see these doctors and listen to the doctors. Okay. But if I'm doing my research, if I'm doing my studying and I'm talking to God about something he created, then how are you going to make me feel a type of way? And that's the type of mentality that religion has on people. And I had it on me, so mm -hmm. I had to come out of it. But I wanted to. I didn't want to live my life being the way that I was. Like, I was judgmental towards gay people. But then I had to realize, oh, I'm struggling with bisexuality, and I've been married. Mm -hmm. Ten years. Tomorrow, my husband and I will be married. Mm -hmm. And you can't explain. You can't come out like that to people in the church. Mm -hmm. <gasps> oh, let's, let's hurry up and take you to the altar. Okay, I just told you I'm struggling with it. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that. Okay, it says in the Bible, confess your faults one to another. Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't know who to talk to because people are so busy either judging you, even though they say they're not, they actually do. Mm -hmm. Or you got people that talk too much. Mm -hmm. Like, I was always worried about other people mm -hmm. and their opinions. So I had to talk to my husband. Like, I prayed everything concerning my book any intentions, heart motives, anybody in my life that's connected to me that doesn't mean me no good, like God, reveal the hidden things. Mm -hmm. And he began doing that. Little did I know, he was gonna start it with me. <laughs> 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 I had to reveal all yeah. my hidden stuff. You know what I'm saying? I had to be open, transparent, and vulnerable for my family to say, you know what? Okay, if she can kind of you know, mm -hmm. loosen up and change. They watched me. They watched me go from being this working person to being depressed. I was overweight. Yeah. I was at one point two hundred and thirty pounds. Wow. I'm at wow. one eighty right now. Yeah, working yeah, on, work it. on it. Just keep working on it. That's <laughs> you it. know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. and in all this time I was going to church. Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything that everybody's saying I should do. But yet I had absolutely no peace why don't I have peace God what is going on I yelled at my dad because I was frustrated I'm like I can't pay my bills I can't do this like mm -hmm. this makes no sense God how do you have I told God I said God I feel like you have us like little puppets mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like he understands that we're feeling this way mm -hmm. you know don't feel bad for asking questions don't feel bad for talking to God, he knows that you're going to go left and cuss him out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, uh, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, uh, people from all walks of life who watch the show. And, uh, and, and I, I, I think it's important that we recognize and understand that God loves everybody. Um, gay people, homosexual people, lesbians, drug addicts, uh, opioid addicted people, rapists, uh, rapists murderers. Uh, the there is no judgment blessers. on this show. Uh, we embrace everybody. We understand that the soul uh, has no religion. That religion has become as part of the process and how we find God. Yes. But that the soul came before that. 
and that's just really clear. I want to make sure that the people who are watching the show who've been watching it understand that we embrace all faiths on this program and all peoples We're on this program. We're all looking for the same thing. Yeah. We're all looking for that relationship with God. Yes, we and are. And I had to learn because even with some of the people, like, they won't go into certain restaurants because Buddha's there or this, that, and the third yeah. is there. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I got my nails done by a lady, and, you know, they're of Asian descent or whatever, and literally God used her to minister to me about resting and if I was still in my religious mind I wouldn't have received her being used by God right you know what I'm right, saying right. just because she may not operate in the same faith that I do her faith and who she believes in is still the same mm -hmm. you know everybody had a big thing about the coexist of all the different religions yeah. guess what this is the world that God created. That's We're right. supposed to coexist regardless. <laughs> That's right. We gotta coexist with everybody. You right? know what I'm saying? So, totally and on top of that, yeah. on top enough. of that, you're talking about how much God is love. He's love. He's love. He's love. That's it. But you got to show it. You got to demonstrate it. Love you is action. You got to action. totally demonstrate it. it's action. Love it's is not, it's it's not, not just words. words. <laughs> it's totally not words. <laughs> If you're just talking about it and not doing it, you're not living it. Right. And you're that's just not. And, and I so, wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. I yeah. wasn't walking in love. Now, how were all. you uh, overcoming? You had, uh, you know, you said, uh, how did you uh, overcome reaching rock bottom? You know, what was it that you did? You experienced uh, addiction. You experienced rejection. Uh, you know, what was it that helped you to, besides God, what did, was some, uh, was there a some moment in your life that you, because I can remember my rock mo you know, <laughs> moment in my life, all right, I was, uh, when I was an addict, I had this moment and where my, I was so high, it was, it was a terrible time in my life, and I was high on drugs, and my mom was trying to call me uh, for my birthday, and I couldn't pick up the phone because I was so high and I didn't want to embarrass her and I just and it was one of the lowest points of my life just oh I just like what has become of me and it was like that moment where I was like that was my my rock bottom and I started to say you know what I've, I've, I've got to I've got to get out of this and so was there something like that that happened uh, for you to be honest I'm still going through those moments mm. um but the main one I can say probably came in 2016 and I ended up having to kind of go to Florida because I literally felt like I was losing my mind mm -hmm. and I was thinking thoughts of I'm just about to I'd be driving and I'm like I should just let this wheel go mm -hmm. not realizing they're not my thoughts mm -hmm. I don't have to accept every thought that comes into my thought because every thought is not my thought I had to learn that. I didn't really grasp that concept. And so I allowed the enemy to just constantly play with my mind and not realize, like, I was still surrounded by love. I was still surrounded by people that loved and cared about me, but I could not see it. I could not get past what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I never was alone. I've had my daughter with me since the age of, what, since 2002. 2000 she's 18 going on 19 this year never been without my kids um never spent any time away mm -hmm. and so i asked god a friend of mine ended up moving out to florida and the way we was just you know operating and moving i really believed that i was going to be working with her in ministry and so i flew out to florida 
trusting God to do so much and in that process of being out there and being away from my family I found Stephanie again Mm -hmm. and it took a lot of praying a lot of running to the altar a lot of times of me breaking down at home and just crying and screaming Mm -hmm. and saying God I'm tired of this like how can I get past it I still pray some of that. I would write stuff down. Mm-hmm. I got notebooks upon notebooks. My husband gets so irritated with me sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> it's just papers everywhere, right. yeah. you know, but it just comes with the territory of being a writer. Like, yeah. you got to get it out. That story, everybody has a story that needs to be shared. Yes. Even if it's not put in a book, I've been through something. And you mm-hmm. know what? Here's some hope. Here's yeah. some love. Is that what you're hoping that the book is going to accomplish, is to give people hope, to give them the sense that they had, they can move through their challenges? And That's what I'm hoping, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It was it, uh, what was the most difficult part for you in your healing process? Ooh. Coming to the realization that I really hurt people. Uh. Like, I knew some of the stuff that I did. Mm-hmm but I didn't realize I was also being the abuser. Mm -hmm. I turned around and everything that was being done to me, I was spewing out. The the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's true. So in that sense, it's like, oh, damn. I really did this shit. I know. Like, like oh, oh my gosh. You know, I like, really was this? I really yeah. this bad? Yeah. And, you know, like, my kids was walking <laughs> around on eggshells. Yeah. Like, they, I would go left at the drop of a dime, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, he did. They would call my husband, mom's acting weird again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So as I started coming out of this and hearing some of the stories, they're like, we was trying to do this. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, my biggest fear was being depressed and being and going through some of the stuff that my mom was going through. And I found myself doing the same exact things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is not what I wanted. But obviously there's something. My mom is not a bad person at all. Mm -hmm. I learned more love through my mom, who doesn't really go to church, than my dad who did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I'm but I learned faith and learned God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit because of him. So yeah. there's two things that they definitely taught, you know what I'm saying? And even though I'm their child, they're still looking to me for certain things. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look to my kids. I'm learning from my kids. Yeah. You know, there are certain things they can come to me and be like, you know what, Mom? That was that was wrong. Right. right. Don't do it disrespectfully. But if I'm being wrong, please come tell me so I can fix it because I don't want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be like, oh, if I lied about something, they're like, mom, you lied. And I'm like, don't tell me you, you, no. Mm -hmm. I should be able to be like, oh, dang. (laughs) And then explain to them, like, if it was a lie, I wasn't trying to, or at least explain to them, this is why I said what I said. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a lie, but, you know, some things come up. And that's all we need as kids is mm-hmm. somebody to be genuine, somebody to open up and just talk and be real. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, uh, and you, and sometimes they can learn from uh, just the habits of the heart. But you you learn that not necessarily. You don't learn that at church. You don't learn that in synagogue. You don't learn that at 
and uh, the, the mosque and all. It's what happens in, within those family structures. Yep. And sometimes people can use God or religion as a shield Ugh. to hide their, their, that stuff that they have to look at. Masking. They mask it. We mask it over ourselves. And so instead of being, wow, we got to be vulnerable. We got to be open hearted here. We got to be truthful. We gotta, we gotta pull back those layers, and we can't hide behind our religion, and that's Ooh. such a big thing. And so that's why, you know, sometimes some of the most, you know, there was a, I was in a, uh, uh, you know, when I was in my healing part and trying to reform my character and all that, I had an opportunity to go to Thailand uh, to work for a human rights agency, nice. and um, and it was, I was working to help. Uh, bring attention to the child sex slave trade that was going on in Southeast Asia. And we were helping to uh, build these uh, orphanages in, uh, in Chiang Mai for the Hmong children there in the northern part of Thailand. And so I went up to go up into the, uh, the hill country there in Thailand to meet these children. And I met some of the most incredible kids and they had a, such innate goodness in them. They didn't have. They were. They were in this very. Um, you know. They. They. They believed in animism. They. They. And, but there was just this innate love of goodness. I went to take a picture with this little boy who was malnourished, who was really small for his age, and who had nothing. They. They. These people slept on a platform. All the whole family, like all five of them, with the grandma, grandpa, and the kids, and the, and the mom. And they, they all lived in one room, and they had one little bowl to eat the food from. And I bend down to take a picture with this little boy. And this little boy picks up a scoop of his rice, and he feeds it to me. And here was this little boy who had nothing. And I had everything. And, and so to me, that was an example of love. Genuine love. Genuine love. Action. Giving. That it is innate for us to do that. And it has nothing to do with religion. Nothing. And so it's we can hide behind those things. So, but that action of love that is God in motion, that is that, is that movement forward, and that's where we have to get to. Yep. And I think that's exactly where you've gotten to in this book here. That you're, I mean, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ready to to celebrate with the rest of the world. Yes. Oh, so, I'm so excited. Is there, um, in your opinion, um, you know what? What was your experience in making amends with the people in your life? Some was good. Yeah. Some not so good. Yeah. Um, even now, like before we came in here, I had problems with some of my family. And it's like I'm trying to be the best person I can be. And sometimes because of people being so familiar with you and knowing your past, they're like, you ain't really changed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you believe that because when God does what he needs to do and because I'm working my ass off, guess what? Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be blessed. There's absolutely nothing, nothing we can do that's going to separate us from God's love. Mm-hmm. Yes, my con- my actions have consequences, good or bad. They do. That's just life, period, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, all right, I'm working my tail off to go and accomplish the life that God said I can have. Mm-hmm. We always expect God to do everything. No. No. <laughs> no. We're, We've we're, got to do our part. Please, <laughs> <Come> you know. <laughs> We've got to do our part. And I think that's one of the important things. And 
you know, when I was talking earlier about those steps that uh, uh, Azim was talking about mm -hmm. and how to be able to forgive and move yourself through yes. and, and achieving that redemption. You've got to do deeds. You've yes. got to do, and they've got to be sincere and they've got to be genuine and they've got to come from the heart. Yeah. They've got to come from the heart. You cannot change. You cannot fake uh, a change, an authentic, genuine change of heart. You can. cannot. <laughs> In your opinion, what is a secret? What do you think is the secret to turning our challenges, our trials into triumph? Just really wanting more out of life. You mm -hmm. really want to have a determination to say, I don't want to live like this no more. Mm -hmm. And really be mm -hmm. doing and willing to do whatever it takes. To accomplish that legally, yes, legally. <laughs> you know, because right. I, you know, they're in my story. You're so right on this. Yes. I, I've shared stuff yeah. that I've done illegally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, now that I know, I can use all of my energy to actually form businesses. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. There's nothing wrong. The stuff that I want to accomplish, guess what? It takes money. Mm -hmm. I can't make no money if I don't work. Even writing this book, just because I'm sitting down doesn't mean that it's not work. Mm -hmm. Everything about it is work. I had to do marketing research. I had to figure out editors, figure out how to do everything, formatting. Oh, my gosh. Like, everything about it. Mm -hmm. You know? So now it's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think you're so right with that. When You, you know, you, you've got to make that decision and, and that you want to have a better life. Period. You just, you're period. That's it. There's something that's like, you know what? I've, I've got to have a better life than what I'm having. You know, you can't, it's either this or I'm dying. Mm -hmm. You know, that's... Life that, or death. Right. Life or and death. And you, you come to that moment, and I think that that is like that epiphany. And you just say, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get me to, to climb this mountain, right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to climb that mountain. And, uh, and you have, and I'm so happy and grateful Thank to you. know that you've done this. Uh, to written a book and celebrate your life and to bringing this out to so many people who are going to be blessed by your words wow. and by your conviction and by your sincerity and genuineness of heart. You are going to touch many, many lives, wow. uh, Stephanie. And I appreciate so, that. Thank you. If you, yo, you're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a, just a couple seconds or a couple minutes here uh, before we close out the show for today. Stephanie, if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, I ask this of all my guests, um, what would it be? One piece of advice. Keep God first. Mm. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. I could not have finished this book if he was not there with me mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm my husband when he couldn't support me my kids when they didn't know what to do my mom and my dad my friends when they didn't know what to do or what to say god was there his spirit was there mm -hmm. just keep him first and guarantee you he will always watch you <laughs> that's, <so beautiful. laughs> that's right you know uh, you have uh, when you have god in your heart you know you can be your fortress you can be your shield uh, he can be your rock. Everything and, you need him uh, to be. You know, there is, there is the Holy One, the one and Holy One. Yes. So, 
Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. For being here and joining us here on the council Definitely. so much. God bless. God bless. And with uh, best of luck on your on your new book. And on I think it's April 13th, right? That yes. you have the... April 13th, um, I'll be releasing Releasing it. the book. And okay. it's going to be at the Marriott. Is it for people who might be interested? Marriott. Courtyard yes. at Marriott. At what Gateway time? At 6 p.m. At 6 p.m. So the courtyard... At Marriott Gateway. At Marriott Gateway at 6 p.m. Yep. All right. And that's going to be April 13th. Uh, all Yay. right. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. Thank you. Folks, uh, thank you for tuning in to the council uh, today. We will be back in a couple of weeks. We've got a number of shows that are going to be coming up that you're going to be excited about. We're going to be uh, going out to Vegas here in a few weeks and going to meet with some fantastic people out there. You don't want to miss it as we're moving into uh, higher consciousness and spirituality and some of the leaders of the field that we'll be talking to out there. Also going to be having some uh, Gina Caputo is going to be on. We're going to talk about yoga and, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do and uh, all kinds of great things that are, we've got lined up for you on the council. I uh, just want to thank KUHSDenver.com for allowing us to have to be our platform for the council. We are touching lives all over the world. Uh, this show exists because of you. And uh, I just want to thank each and every one of you for, for tuning in. It's an honor and a privilege. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, folks. God bless.